Now's the time to tell tales of the unaccountable. Zambi, what do you fear? What do you fear? Consider you find someone mummified. I already like this story. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We just need you to hunt the giant owl. He just looks too suave to be Dracula. <laughs> too suave to be Dracula. Remember, you are bringing her back to life, so there is that. You got that to pony up on. Be afraid. Be marginally afraid. You didn't do a shadow redux. We do. Was James? No, James wasn't. No, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't born yet. Yeah. He didn't exist to us. <laughs> he didn't matter. And he still doesn't. I wonder if I'll leave this in the actual episode. <laughs> uh, we can go fuck ourselves. Uh, welcome to Pulp Nightmare. I'm Mike. I'm MD. So it's been an eventful couple months. It has. That's the biggest lie I've ever said. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I went into it and I was like, uh, what's what's the point? A couple big things happened. You, um, the, you know, the Walmart trilogy has come to an end for you. Yeah. Um, you were fired for can we sexual le- harassment. Let's let's just call it what it is. We can legally talk about that. Um, I was in. I don't know how to quite to explain my state of mind in regards to those events. Um, there were a lot of long nights. I will say that I I was fatigued. I was hazing in and out. You, and unfortunately, in that locker, you found that bottle of caffeine pills you thought were vitamins. Uh, there was a lot of hydroxyca, I will say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, my memory is kind of fuzzy regarding the events, but I know that the fallout was... I, I don't know how to say it. You're not going to be seeing a lot of me over the next few months, uh, legal... Wise. I mean, I was uh, to, to appear in court, actually. Yeah, I, I had to actually talk you out of that because you were so into it. Um, yeah, I mean, I I had a whole thing where I was going to have uh, to stand up and say fry them and all this stuff, and you you were not for that because that didn't that doesn't help you and I, your case. I I don't know why I'm laughing because it's like I. You were, I mean, you were seriously going to do this. You told me like several times, yeah. like you, you had a speech prepared. You said it to, like you said it to me over Facebook, and I, I was reading it. And at one point, you compared me to Hitler. And, and listen, we we had to have a serious talk about our friendship because what you did was wrong. You sexually, let's just you sexually assaulted a forklift. That. <laughs> I, I, way to break I, the fourth wall, man. <laughs> Sorry, I did not expect you to say forklift. <laughs> you don't pull out the forklift card with me. <laughs> you, you messed this up, not me. <laughs> oh, it's always the blame game. <laughs> when it comes to us and our forklifts. Uh, but anyway... So yeah. So yeah, my job at Walmart came to an end. Um, uh, voluntarily. Last, yeah, yeah. Volun- actually, I did end up quitting. Uh, which, by the way, is kind of 
weird when you go back and think about it because I was making a I was making business money. I business money. <laughs> yeah, I was I was actually making quite quite a little bit of profit actually from that job. It was it was insane how much the third shift got compared to the first shift and second shift. Yeah. So for me to walk away from that has been like a constant uh why? But well, I mean, um, I don't regret it. At the same time, I mean, as we talked about when you, I mean, you were talking about when you actually wanted to quit. It was kind of a difficult thing, but you know, you you thought the night shift job was going to be something else. Yeah, yeah that's different than what it was. Really, what it boiled down to was I did not anticipate third shift to be as strenuous as it was. I guess is what you would say because I actually had a manager explain to me on one of the last few weeks I was actually employed that people go to the third shift to escape the grind without actually realizing that third shift is the grind. Yeah. Like that was literally how he phrased it. I'm not making a word of that up. And it's the that, behind the scenes shift. Like that was that was kind of the moment where I like I had been going back and forth with quitting for a while, but that was kind of the moment where I like literally sat down and messaged you and James and or I'm sorry, hit that out. Where I messaged you and Hero. <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> it's a nightmare, okay. Bro, you've already oh. broken the fourth wall enough. We use code names, but I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but um that was the moment where I literally Messaged you and him and said, "Okay, I think I made a decision. I'm going to quit because I, I, I mean, I don't know if you know this about me, Mike, but I'm not a very, I don't handle pressure well. Yeah. And third shift was nothing but pressure, like day in and day out. I mean, night in and night out, I should say, because and, and to, to to be fair, yeah, I, I think you could have you, you had to." ease into that kind of uh, – to that idea of pressure and things like that. You did not originally go in an interview for a full-time job. No. No, I went in for just third shift. That was it. That was the – well, no, I didn't even go in for third shift, actually. I just saw that they needed stockers, grocery stockers. Yeah. And I put in my application – I put in my application electronically – um, I didn't even expect to hear back from them. That was the weird thing is that they didn't contact me until they contacted here. me. <laughs> <laughs> That's an end joke. But if anything, you quitting this job lets me down because you got that job on my back. <laughs> I failed to the standards of Mike. <laughs> Forever in Walmart's eyes, Mike is a liar because of me. I lied and told them you were not a psychopath. Yeah, that was actually a lot of... That was a bit of a stretch, I'd say. I don't know why you you weren't just truthful with them on that, because frankly, I, I I mean, I appreciate it, but you didn't need to lie that much. Well, they caught me just as I woke up at 2 p.m., so, you know, I was both <laughs> out of it. What's <laughs> funny is that I'm sure everyone thinks we're lying about this. No, no, this was an actual thing. Mike was... A contact I put on the application. Why you would put that amount of power in my hands, I have no idea. Especially considering, at the time, Matt Johnson and James Lewis were both fully employed (laughs) 
and had a ton of experience in retail at that point. So it would have been the smart thing to do. Instead, I was like, yeah. Let's go with Mike. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with the guy with the fake name. Let's go with the guy who literally just made a joke about standing up in court and saying, Fry him! <laughs> because you raped a forklift, you <laughs> son of a bitch. I don't regret that. I mean, I'm sorry, but it, she was asking for it. <laughs> anyway, go, go, going back to <laughs> you actually getting the job, you, you, yeah. you, you went in for... For just, just, night, just regular stocking, just regular stock. It didn't even say third shift. Yeah, you you that, was, that afterwards. I knew it was more than likely it was going to be third shift because I, in my head, I was going, well, what's the most likely that they'll put me on? Because I knew there were multiple shifts and it wasn't specified, so I wouldn't really find out until the interview itself. And that's when they sprung it on me that it would be a third shift job. And you, and you, However, and you thought that was you actually thought that was perfect at the time. Yeah, I did because I, you know, you know me. I spend a lot of nights just kind of. It's one thirty. It's one thirty nine a.m. as we're recording this right now. Yeah, and that's not even like I'm more of a night owl than you are because at least you go to bed at like three or four sometimes, like even, sometimes even earlier. Me sometimes I will stay up till the break of dawn. Yeah. That's just the way – I mean that's just the way my body works. That's just the way it's been for me for many years now. So I just figured that if I did this job at these hours, for one thing, there wouldn't be any customers. So that would be a huge load off on me because the one thing I hate most of all is social interaction because, I mean, it's just – that's not my thing. So going in, it was like, okay, a third shift would actually – I could see that. I could see – where that would actually work in my favor. And that would be like the perfect first job for me because it would kind of break me in on comfortable ground. As it turned out, there was a catch. And that catch was the day of my orientation, they told me it was a full-time job. Yeah, something they did not tell you until then. You 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 I, thought it was a part-time job. Yeah, I assumed it was part-time because they never specified one way or the other. Yeah, and which is what you were looking for. You're looking for part time. Yeah, I was looking for part time because it was my first job. I mean, yeah. it was. I just wanted to do it as comfortably as possible for me because this was the start of like the next part of my life. So yeah. I wanted, I wanted to be thorough with it. I wanted to do something that was, you know, a smart choice. Yeah, really smart. I didn't realize what I was walking into. Yeah. So that was a huge part of my stress with working there. And just to give context, my entire time working there was four months, four months, pretty much even. Yeah. Um, I started at the beginning of April and ended at the beginning of August. And um, I, I, I kept a lot of the pressure inwardly, but it was getting harder. The longer it got, I mean, I I was it got to the point where I was less nervous and more just pissed off at everything. Like I would I would literally just stock shelves, just angry and bitter at like the littlest tiny thing that would happen in like the beginning meeting. And um, it, it just the biggest thing, the biggest problem with the job was that I had no free time like at all. If you work a third shift job, you are spending your time sleeping during the day so that you can go stock at night, come back, 
tired, completely just exhausted more than you've ever been, laying down to go to sleep, waking up and going back to work. Like that it was just this bitter, endless cycle. And it wasn't like it was a part time job where you at least had, you know, is this was you had a normal two days off, but it's a night job. Your first day off was sleeping. So Yeah. Well not only that, but you have the problem of since the night shift goes into midnight and hours after that, technically you're working on your first day off. It's yeah. just half it's just half of a day because it's just like you're working from midnight to seven AM, which is my hours were ten PM to seven AM. Two of those hours would be the day that I was technically working. And because I started on that day, that would count into the next day. So it was like – it was really kind of like I was really only getting one day off per week. Yeah. And I would work uh, maybe sometimes six six days a week, uh, like literally on the calendar six days a week, and that was bad enough. But it was just – I mean there was just a lot of – there were a lot of elements that went into it. But the main thing was that I just didn't – I felt like there was nothing for me. Like there was just nothing left after you ripped away what time I had. And like I, you guys – you guys barely talked to me in like that four-month stretch. Yeah. we You uh, – MB ceased to exist for that amount of time. Like I think you and Hero were actually talking about it and like he mentioned the fact that it was like I had ceased to be all together. It was like I didn't I wasn't I wasn't a person anymore. Yeah. It was... and, every, and every time you guys talked to me, like I got the sense that like I was just really tired, so I probably wasn't myself. It was always a joy to see you because it was like an old fr- old uncle visiting. <laughs> Please don't touch me, Uncle Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> It's a forklift out of here. Like that forklift. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was a bizarre experience because it, I would talk to you guys, but it was less frequent, and I didn't get a choice of when I'd get to talk to you. Yeah. So it was. I mean, trapped in Walmart for eight or nine hours at a time. Not a good thing. Turns out, not the most healthy environment for your mental state. Especially at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So for me, it just kind of kept building and building and building and building and building and building until finally I just got up. I got up the nerve, then I lost it, got up the nerve, then I lost it. And finally, it just it reached a breaking point where I just told my, one of my bosses, like, I want to put it in my two weeks notice. Ironically enough, the same day he announced that he was leaving to go to another <laughs> store. So, and it should also be said that um, it, it's not like there is any way you could transfer out of that shift because they want to keep people in that shift because they can't keep people in that shift. Well, also, it's against company policy for someone who has been working as long as I have to transfer from that shift because you have to be there for I think it was like six months, maybe. And I was only four months in, and while I could have waited, I wasn't going to because it wasn't good for me. Like, well, wasn't, wasn't there a thing where you were going to get a promotion at one point? Like, oh, one sense. This was hilariously recurring because what Walmart likes to do when you're working for it is they like to offer you promotions that you never actually get, <laughs> and you accept them, and that's like 
they're like, yeah, that's great. You don't hear anything about that for like weeks at a time. It's occasionally brought up maybe in like one conversation. You just, nothing never happens. And yeah. then there was also another position. Like the first position that they offered me was actually a full-time stock uh, frozen meat and deli, which I actually would have liked because that would have kept me on one side of the store and I wouldn't have had to constantly play this guessing game every time I went into work as yeah. to which section I was going to stop. So the first position that I was offered was meat and deli, and I would have taken that because it was just one place. I mean, I would have been there every night, and I wouldn't have had to constantly worry about, oh, God, what if, what if I get – like my big fear was getting the bakery aisle because that was where a lot of heavy stuff was. I thought you were going to say I, I would just want to eat everything. Like, MB, <laughs> Jesus Christ, you have self-control. <laughs> Give me the cake mix. <laughs> Just walk in, you're fucking the size of the store. Oh! You have to bring in demon hunters to slay you. I just wrote a little story in my head. Go on. <laughs> I have all the power of the flower. <laughs> oh, you're just yeast now. <laughs> he was once a man. <laughs> now he's yeast. And he's attracted to forklifts. <laughs> But, Weird fuck. <laughs> but, okay, that was the first position I was offered, and I accepted it. They said, you know, it, that was my first, like, my first uh, quarterly review was them offering me that position because they said I was doing a really good job. And here's the weird thing, too, is that it's not like anyone ever said I was doing a bad job or anything. No one knocked me down in terms of my self-esteem. It was just the pressures of the job itself. So it's like I had everything going for me, and yet everything was falling apart. Yeah. But the other position that I was offered was a position they frequently tried to try me out for, and I realized it was horrifying <laughs> <laughs> because what it, what it is is it's ICS, which is you go to the back room and you take care of the freight that is going to be either put out on the floor – or take into the bag and then set for tomorrow because it won't fit. What you have to do is you have to scan boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes and then put it back on the shelf. Problem is there's no room in the back room. <laughs> so you have to like configure each box like a jigsaw puzzle, scan it into the system, and then go for another box. And you only have like two hours at most because they'll pull you back after you're done stocking your area. And that takes most of the night. So that was the position they wanted me for. They wanted me to be an ICS associate where I would do that all night. And the problem is also with that position is like they could bring you any amount of freight. They could bring you like a worst case scenario is like they bring back like 17 to 18 pallets worth of boxes. Like just wooden pallets stacked high with boxes of content that you have to take a box at a time and fit into like a little tiny hole in the wall. And I was put into this place where they wanted me to take over from take over this position from a guy who had walked out. Um, so one night I was I was called away from like I had already stocked my freight in one area. I was called away and I was told that I would have to work ICS. 
At this point, I was cool with the job because I didn't realize what it was yet. So they put me in the back ICS, and I just look, and it's it's the chemical section, which is like laundry detergents and disc soaps and all that kind of stuff. Long story short, you have superpowers now. I kind of, kind of, I think it gave me the power of self-reflection because <laughs> I think that was the moment where I realized this job isn't for me because – I looked, and there was this sea of stuff that I had to take care of and somehow put away in, like, this jigsaw configuration. I keep mentioning the jigsaw puzzle because that's literally what it kind of is because you have to figure out a way to feng shui boxes on top of boxes that don't have the same shape or the same size and not have it fall over. You just described one of my favorite activities. I – I never said this wasn't your perfect job. Like, you would probably excel at Walmart. We would just kill everybody. Well, also, I mean, you and the forklift would get along great. I, I could see forklift? you whining. I, yeah, I forklift. could see you. I could see you whining and dining it. <laughs> um, treating it like a gentleman, unlike the way I conducted myself. We won't talk about that. But I saw the sea of boxes, and I was supposed to take care of it. An hour and a half away from quitting time. And if I didn't – my fear was if I didn't complete it, which this is something they do, they will tell you to stay until it is done. I can't do that because I'm picked up at 7 o'clock, which is the same time my ride goes to work. Yeah. So it's a no-win scenario. I was trapped. I was freaking out. I was literally cursing anyone who crossed my path because – I was just complaining about it because it's, I was just telling them, it's like, it's not, it's, they're offering it to me, but it's not my job. And they expect it to be my job because they would find any excuse for anyone to go to the back room because they kept losing backroom people. Yeah. You, um, you were getting progressively more unhappy as time went on. Yeah. I was erratic at some point, like to the point where like, so do we just do I do we just convince him to quit? Yeah, because you were thinking about it for a while, but you kept going back. And I mean, it's an it's a pretty honest reason. I mean, you the, the you know you you didn't go in for for a full time job. You the third shift did not turn out to be what you were hoping and thought it was going to be. Yeah, and there was no way for me to transfer out. So you were stuck. The the only way to get out of that shift was to quit. So yeah. And it was, I mean, even saying that, it was still a tough decision because, I mean... They're making good money. Not only that, but it's like, this is the only job at this point that I know. Like, the next time I get a job, I'm going to have to relearn a different set of skills. Like, Yeah, but you've, uh, you know, you were thrown into the coals the first time, so... Yeah. Anything afterwards is never going to be as bad. I hope not. Plus, it won't be 3 a.m. while you're learning these things, so that's also – Yeah, that's that's the <laughs> thing. That's the thing that the job taught me most of all is that I will never work third shift again. <laughs> I've thought about night shift jobs a lot in the past, and it's like for me, they always – because I'm just better at night. Yeah, and see, that was my thought too is that you know I'm most productive at night because that's when my head seems to be the clearest. Yeah, same here. Little did I know that having a clear head at Walmart does not exactly mix. 
I, I have one last story, which is actually about the day that was my last day at work. I had already put in my two weeks notice and I had worked the two weeks on my last day of work. I, I, I went in not really sure if it was going to be my last day of work because they had done something weird, which was they scheduled me for two extra days. I remember this. And I was freaking out because I was like, oh, oh God, I, I just want to leave. I just want to leave. Why are they keeping me here? <laughs> Am I required to work these other days? And I think I think I actually went to you and you said, like, no, they can't legally require you to yeah, do that. That is technically illegal. So. And it turns out you were right because I went up to my boss and I asked him about it first thing after the opening meeting. And I said, okay, I have these extra days. Do I – do I have to work those? And he says, no, you can, you can leave whenever you want. You've, you've worked your two weeks. You've given us notice. Yeah. So then I was, you know, I was relieved and I worked the rest of the day, you know, kind of, it was, it was weirdly for all the trouble I had with it. It was weirdly bittersweet to leave because I, I don't know quite how to describe my feeling that day was, was, it was kind of like, Saying goodbye to a really abusive friend. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I didn't like it, but at the same time, it was something I knew for a very long period of time. Well, I feel like this is a conversation you'll be having on your next podcast after we break up Pulp Nightmare. <laughs> Somehow I knew you were going to bring that up. It just kept hitting me. <laughs> <laughs> he knew about the forklift. <laughs> But, um, I had to kill him. But, you know, I was feeling, I don't know if serendipitous is the word. I think it's more of like... Melancholy? Yeah, melancholy, where it's like, yeah, I I got out, and I'm glad I got out. But at the same time, like, it's weird to be going, because this was my life for four months. And when you're working for four months straight, it feels like a year. Like, literally, I'm not even saying it has to be metaphorical. It feels like I worked there an entire year of my life. Yeah. It was an, it, it was an entire summer, granted, but... I mean, we're not I'm, not... I'm not exaggerating at all when I say MB didn't exist for that time. He, he just... He yeah. didn't. He, he was around to talk, you know, maybe a couple hours before he went to work. And, yeah. and one of the days he was off, and that was really it. He didn't really exist otherwise outside of that. Yeah. The fact that we got two pulp nightmares out of me is lucky. Yeah. But I was I was feeling this way the entire day where I was like, I kind of got like a little choked up because I was like, this is the last time I'm going to be doing this. And this is my first job. This is going to be something I'm never going to forget for the rest of my life. So – the day goes by and I, I manage it well. I, I handle it and I'm I'm slowly starting to accept the reality of leaving. And by the time the end of the day comes around, it's like I'm as I usually was, pretty tired and pretty exhausted from the physicality of the job. So I was just like, Yeah, I I'm ready to leave. I'm I'm ready to bid this place goodbye. So I go to turn in my badge. I can't find my manager. The manager that I'm supposed to turn the badge into. So I go in, see another manager, and ask him if he could, you know, if if he knew where the other manager was. And he didn't know. 
he based him, didn't get anything back. So I went walking, looking for this manager, trying to turn my badge in. Because, you, start your, you start your quest? Yeah. That's what it felt like. You you summed it up perfectly right there. Bring me three apples and you can turn in your badge. I went on a vision quest because I walked from the back room to the other back room. No one was there. The other back room was on the other side of the store. So I had to walk across the entire store, walk to the grocery back room. No one is there. I had to walk back to the main area to see if somehow he had come back. Nope. No. No luck. None. So you know, I would say I was there a good 30 minutes after I had actually legitimately clocked out for the last time because I was trying to find this manager to actually quit. <laughs> you should have just put your badge, like, just hanging precariously from a trash can and walk dramatically away from it. <laughs> I, sometimes you have to put away your toys and become a man. I'm Walton MB. No more. You're talking to Cliff Robertson in the dreamscape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giant because I've consumed all the yeast. It's like the idea that um, a ghost Cliff Robertson is really cares a lot about your career. I, I hear these thoughts you're going through, MB. They make me sad. <laughs> Take my hand, MB. No, Cliff Robertson. <laughs> I have to make my own destiny now. <laughs> I'm Walton MP. No more. No more. Lightning flashes half of a Walmart's <laughs> vest pops up. But, yeah, so even in my final thralls, the store found a way to defeat me. <laughs> and you'll never have to go back there again. So how was your visit to Walmart the other day? <laughs> That's the thing is like it's been a very broken experience ever since I've gone there, like gone back to just be a customer because it's never going to be the same. Just imagine you just – it's not my fault. They always have low prices. <laughs> always! Stop haunting me, Cliff Robertson. <laughs> I didn't mean to touch the forklift. Yes, you did. Oh, uh, yeah, but it's literally like every little thing reminds you of that period. And after a while, it just stops becoming a store and just becomes a place of stress. So that's the relationship I have with the grocery store in my town now. That's actually the relationship I have with any Walmart I've ever been in. <laughs> You're actually trapped in a closet in Walmart for four months. I actually live inside the coats. You're actually eating shoes and for sustenance. If you actually go into the coat racks, it's just it goes on forever, so you can just build a house in there. Like you, you minecrafted your way into it, like like, the, like you do in Minecraft. Yeah, <laughs> you're 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 occasionally attacked by skeletons with arrows. That's why you for everyone so well. It was trying out to be children in skeleton masks, but you. I pulled a Loomis and hit them with a the car. Yeah, then it exploded and. You, you didn't know what to do, so you ran further into the coats. That's a really metaphor for my life. I ran further into the coats. <sighs> MB, it's good to have you back. I say that, you having quit that job months ago. <laughs> and we're only yeah, just we, now we're getting around to actually telling the story on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, literally two months ago to this day was my last day at Walmart. 
And we just kept, you know, saying we were going to do it and not doing it because we had other more important things to do. Yes, like insert something here. Ah. Yeah. Anyway, I think I was uh, actually interrupting you before, so. You were? At one point I was. You were about to say something, and I said, first, I I need to tell this story. Well. That's lost. It doesn't matter. I don't say anything particularly smart. I'm sure I had nowhere to go with that. Just use delve further into the coats. I'm just going to kill myself. It's never too late, Mike. I I survived hell. You can survive hell, too. Even if the hell is being stuck in coats. I like the idea of being stuck in coats. Admittedly, that would be kind of an amazing existence. Yeah. I always loved the coat rack when I was a kid. So did I. I always did that. It's like some kind of weird, unspoken rule when you were a kid. You would crawl inside the it's spinning like, coat rack. It's like a clubhouse. Yeah. Like, while all the other parents shopped, you would just you would just be in there. and it, it was just a safe place until someone moved a coat and you had to scurry out of there, but still. Oh, sunlight. <laughs> Even at age three, we were like that. And now I'm too big for the coats. Are we ever too big for the coats, Mike? <sighs> Anyway, that's the update in your life. Yeah. I went through a traumatic experience, which was called a minimum wage job. Yeah, but you purged yourself of the Walton madness. I have. Finally stopped screaming into the night. R.I.P. Chris the Crackhead. R.I.P. She's actually dead now. Um, Never left that car. Anyway, enough about your life, man. I'm sorry that I wanted to bring you into my little world, Mike. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry to take the spotlight away from Overlord Mike of of Mike Via. <laughs> oh, Mike Via reference. I know it's been a while. So I was in the shower earlier today. Can we go talk back to talking about me, please? I thought the you love, would say that. For the love of God. I knew you'd say that. But I was uh, I was in there. I I have um, odd little thoughts whenever I'm in there, and I was thinking how much better the Toy Story Halloween special would have been if. Instead of whatever the hell they ended up doing, I, 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 didn't, I didn't watch it. They met up with Pinhead instead. <laughs> and Pinhead took Mr. Potato Head on levels of pain and pleasure that rocketed to infinity and beyond. <laughs> like, just fucking, just sit back, close your eyes, and imagine Jesse walking in on Pinhead and Potato Head with Bullseye, the horse, like, shoved into one of his ear holes... And Pinhead just turning around to Jesse go, This is not for your eyes, girl! And Jesse just horrifies and slams the door. It'd be fucking amazing, wouldn't it? And the best, in my head, in my head. Woody is going and, like, trying to undecipher this puzzle box, which is really a Rubik's Cube. And, and, like, like Tom, you can hear Tom Hanks, like, as Woody just getting really frustrated because he just wants to know how to get in and save Mr. Potato Head, but he can't. And meanwhile, like something bursts out from the toy box and it's a three-headed demon. <laughs> Andy Wap. <laughs> the best part is, in my head, Pinhead isn't CGI animated like the rest of them. He's like, what? He's, he's like a stop-motion like doll or puppet. It's like pasted onto the CGI background, so he looks like super out of place and bizarre. No, I thought you literally like were saying it would be live action Pinhead 
in a CGI Pixar world. <laughs> no, I think he should still be like a toy thing, but just a stop motion like doll. So just like really creepy. I think it'd be good. <laughs> Pinhead holding up the eyes of Mr. Potato Head, longingly saying, we have such sights to show you. And he places them on Mrs. Potato Head's ass. <laughs> it's really horrifying. Yeah, oddly still kid-friendly. Yeah. Uh, so that was what I thought today in the shower. I gave you going this long thing about your life and, you know, having to quit a job and stuff. And I talk about the Toy Story Halloween special if I would have directed it. I... Some For some people, it takes a four-month shift at Walmart to break them. For you, you're pretty much already there. I was broken the day I was born. I knew it was a mistake when I was a goddamn fetus. You just Going kept born. You just kept, but then they pulled you out of the coats. A.K.A. a vagina. Oh, I own Joker's face now. That's not a joke. <laughs> I I've seen pictures. Yeah, I bought that uh, Death of the Family uh, book and mass set they just released, which really was looks like a just a crackerjack set, really. <laughs> crackerjack set. Yep. I mean, it's true. Uh, it, it retails at forty dollars. It's not worth forty dollars. I got it for twenty. Uh, I think twenty seven with shipping. Totally worth oh. that. Well, here's something I meant to ask you is that is it because of the mask quality or is it because you bought a already. book you already own? Uh, no, I would say it's because of the mask quality. The, ma- the mask is nice. It looks it looks good. The hair looks nothing like it does in any of the pictures. The, the mask definitely isn't as good as the pictures. The pictures, I think, are a, uh, a firmer, uh, harder uh, rubber and latex. So it's pretty much like any like product picture. It's them showing you the prototype that looks a million times better. Yeah. Uh, the hair's not as dark and it's, it's a lot, uh, kind of flimsier as, as one, but you saw, you saw pictures. It looks good. It still looks yeah. good. Yeah. It's like, it's not like cheap looking or anything. It's just, it's not quite what you paid. It's not quite what you would have paid for if you hadn't got the discount. Yeah. It's still a high quality mask, I would say, but definitely, uh, not approaching the $40 mark. But so good. And now I just have an extra copy of Death of the Family. Yeah. I'm thinking of returning it to Amazon and getting a gift card, but I don't know. I should say also that this is a lifelong dream for you <laughs> to own the Joker's face. I am sad the mask isn't just his face, but the mask is him wearing his face. Yeah. But, you yeah, know. It, it, I mean, at the same time, it's like I could I could see that reasoning. Yeah, yeah, it's understandable. It still looks awesome. It's uh, it's on the shelf inside the uh, shadow box. It comes in, so it stares at me as I sleep. I to some people that would be horrifying. Do you? I'm sure that's like a dream come true. I'm sure that's like a comfort. Oh, I look at I look up at it occasionally and smile. Like the awesome thing is, I'm gonna horrify a woman one day. That was that <laughs> like was a, already destined. Like a Wait. woman's gonna be in my room anytime soon. Uh, oh, they're well, just not of her own volition. Hey, I'm not you with your fucking forklift. It I'm was a tractor. Con- it, look. Like, you stay I in your own race, though. You don't go to those tractors. You just go to the forklifts. Look, I 
I have very firm stances, religious stances, frankly, that I don't think you should be making fun of. All right, Slick. Oh, one thing did happen in my life. <laughs> you had something in the back pocket? No, you, you actually know about this. My glasses broke a couple months ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. I never I never really told you much about this. I mean, you did see my mental breakdown. Yeah, there was, there was a point where I thought Mike had left us. Yeah, um... The for anybody who wears glasses, the sound of your glasses snapping is like your soul breaking. Now I know you have to predispose that souls exist, which they don't, but let's just go off that for now. So here I am, just sitting here where I'm sitting right now. It's about two o'clock in the morning, as it is right now, and my glasses break, just break suddenly. Now. When you say they just break, like, are they on your face? Um, no, I was putting them back on. Like, I, I've been having problems because they're, for whatever reason, they were suddenly just fucked up. I, I don't know why. They, they were very old, I should say. So I was, I took them off and I was kind of looking at them going like, I don't know how to fix this problem. So they sit right on my face again. Now I put them back on and the arm snapped off. Uh, that, yeah, that has to suck. And I'm... <laughs> Blind as a fucking bat without my glasses. But uh, it's okay. I went to kind of uh, to discount and get two lenses for cheap price. I thought well, you said, it's okay. I, I just imagined I was Daredevil for a while. I did. Uh, luckily, I had uh, – okay. So the glasses I was wearing that broke were about 10 years old. Yeah, that's that's actually surprisingly old for a pair of glasses. Very, yeah. But like, I did, I did usually have, people usually people like at most go three years without replacing them. Yeah, that would be the sensible thing, and you're gonna slowly realize good reasons as to why people do that. As I continue the story, so uh, first I, I I had my first pair of glasses I ever owned, so I wore those for a while. Kept getting splitting headaches. Also, like, super old looking. So, like your prescription had changed. Oh yeah. So basically, what like you had. Astigmatism or something that got progressively worse as time went on, or oh yeah, I mean my eyes have degraded constantly. Hmm. Um, so I was wearing my old ones for a while, and that was weird. And I, I was like, I was just looking through a fishbowl, but at least made things slightly less blurry. Question you know, mark. You know exactly what thought I had, so let's just acknowledge it, Mysterio. I was as pathetic as Mysterio. <laughs> So suicide in a Daredevil comic. So I found a place um, that had kind of, I don't want to say cheap frames necessarily, but they had specials and stuff. Let's just say my entire like uh, eye exam was maybe five minutes. It was one of those kind of places, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I did that. Also, a really hot uh, redheaded tattooed chick checked me out. And by that, I mean she would work there when she was... You know, as I purchased the frames, she was processing. Like, it's not like she, she, yeah, she was. Not, if she she looked. She. It's not like she was watching as you walked away. Yeah. It, so I'm sitting there with my, uh, with glasses I wore when I was like 13. They were super out of style. I was having to uh, squint at everything. Um, I couldn't see. I just looked fucking ridiculous. May I ask, would it have been? How much worse would it have been for you to just go without the glasses for that particular trip? Um, 
probably would have been hit by a car. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I just want to make sure. So that was terrible. Yeah. I can imagine. I was like, why does it have to be a hot chick? It's like adding insult to injury, too, because like, you're already in a vulnerable position. Like a redhead with tattoos and big boobs. Your ideal woman. And I'm sitting there, like, trying to I read mean, papers she's handing me, and I can't I mean, see a goddamn thing. I'm, I'm, you may think I'm joking, like, you just listed, like, three checklist items for things that turn Mike on. <laughs> it's true. Redhead, tattoo, big boobs. All that was missing was Michael Fassbender. So, I mean, I, I'd say the level of blind I was, I had to have somebody else fill out my chart. Like, just ask me questions, and I'll tell you what to write. Because I can't see shit. So I did that, and then I had to wait, you know, a week. And there was, like, family shit I had to go to. And uh, that was pleasant. Had nothing to do with the eyesight. Yeah, I was going (laughs) to say, like, that's always pleasant. And so I I finally get a call. My frames are ready. One of them. I I had to to get two to get the discount. Weirdly, I'm wearing the ones now that are my backup, because... Unsurprisingly, from this place, the uh, the frames aren't put together that well. So it's like it, my other pair. If I sit them down on the table, um, both arms don't actually touch the table. One's way up in the air, so they sit all fucked up on my head. So there's my backup. Uh, I wear these, uh, which are square, which are square lenses. That's weird, but it's, uh, I do not recommend anybody uh, skip prescriptions by ten years. Never do that. That's the uh, the thing I didn't tell you, which is for about a week or I, I definitely about two weeks, a little bit more, because I had to, when I switched to the square ones, when I was started wearing the square ones all the time, because I kind of went back and forth. I had to get used to the square lenses, which you just see out differently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've worn like both types of glasses in the past. It's it's kind of a just it feels weird. Yeah, your eyes do have to... The lenses are just different uh, than round ones. Your eyes kind of have to get used to them. But I essentially lived in a fun house for two weeks. Like a house of mirrors. Let me paint you a picture. I, put, I get my new glasses, I go to the grocery store. Walking through the grocery store. I my new ones. I'm starting to get used to them, but I, I, things are weird, but I haven't quite figured it out. But I'm looking, and I start walking... Uh, down the outside of the aisles. So the aisles are on like the, on my right side. And I'm walking down. And all of the aisles they're passing by me are slanted, going away from me up and getting skinnier. Like I'm in some kind of weird, like, uh, expressionist painting. That sounds like something out of The Shining. Yeah, it was kind of like that. And it's like I, I would have to touch things to see what they were shaped like. It's like there was a. I, I'm not really laughing at the situation. It's more the mental image of you examining <laughs> something and an onlooker just seeing that and like going, it, is there, what? Oh, I must look fucking weird. I was stumbling all over the place. I looked like I was drunk. Like I, I had to touch. You were, the, but that was, that was beside the point. Yeah, I was drunk on life. I don't know about you. So I was, I was like touching a box of Coke. To see if it was square, because it didn't did they, look square. Did they change the design? Yeah, I was like, is this my glasses, or do they just introduce something they didn't tell me about? <laughs> so that's on happening. With the Coke man. So that's happening. Yeah, everything looks like I'm walking uphill. 
Yeah, I can kind of picture what because I've I've looked um, I've I mean, when I was a kid, I used to look through the glasses of like members of my family and stuff like that. And they would have some of them would have this weird effect where it's like the bottom is shrinking. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the top is just growing. It's it's like basically, you know, one of those paintings where it has the stairs that goes upside down and crisscross. And yes, it, basically, it's like looking at life like that all the time. Much and there is an adjustment. I do know, like I remember when I got my last class and stuff. And there's always an adjustment period, but it was so fucking extreme because I skipped ahead so much that. Uh, you know, everything felt like I was uphill. Walls weren't shaped correctly. If I, I looked down at my feet, my feet were at my chest. I essentially just felt like I had binoculars strapped to my head. I, so, wow. Like, I, I just couldn't do anything because it was so fucking weird. I couldn't stand wearing them. Yeah, I, I imagine it'd be hard to function when everything is literally just spiraling. Yeah, like everything was just kind of oblong shaped, like windows and. I think you're describing the Phantom Zone. It kind of felt like it, or or at least Mister Misopilix dimension or something like the fourth dimension. I am trying to, you know, uh, grow up Zod beard, but that's beside the point. So that's not a lie. Um, you, you poking like a, uh, like a box of Coke, saying kneel before me. <laughs> I did that already. Um, it was it was one of the craziest things I've ever experienced. Was walking around like that, like trying to watch TV was insane. Because what shows did you try to watch with that? Oh, I, I couldn't watch. I tried. I, I forget what I was trying to watch the first time. Because to sit down and see what TV was like going through this, and the changing images all at once were just too fucking weird. I couldn't watch TV for like two days. I'm sure you that's pretty big. I don't really watch TV all that much. Movies, yeah. I couldn't watch movies. Yeah. I, that blew. I mean, I could. I just had to switch to my old glasses. But then switching back and forth, my eyes just had no idea what the fuck they were doing. Question, did you attempt a video game? No. <laughs> no. That's not, that was not happening. That was not happening. I would, I would love to see that happen where you have, like, a capture card and you do a Let's Play while practically blind. <laughs> that would be an interesting, like, experiment. I'm surprised, like, nobody's ever done that. I feel like I was in fucking Jacob's Ladder with these things. Um, but now I assume you're seeing normally? Yeah, I, I have adjusted to it. I'm seeing pretty normally. The only thing is, it's like like when I got my last glasses, I used to describe it as, um, you know when they live, whenever they took the sunglasses off, their heads would hurt? Like, the longer they wore, their gla the, wore the sunglasses, their heads would hurt more? Yeah, headaches. I know exactly what you mean, because that's the exact reason I stopped wearing glasses. Yeah, so I remember when I first got my last pair, I went through that for quite a while, like a year. You would take them off, and your eyes would just be all over the place. The intenseness in which that happens when I take these off, I, I hate taking them off, because my eyes are just refocusing. I don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah, I have a problem where I can't. Like, I can sleep in darkness, but I can't sleep in absolute darkness because my eyes, if I open them, like, in the middle of the night, like, if I like, have to go to the bathroom or I'm just woken up suddenly, my eyes have the absolute worst time adjusting to darkness. 
Really? Like, like it's like they're constantly moving beyond my control. <laughs> like, it's like the room is moving or something. Like, whenever I wake up in the middle of the night and my eyes haven't quite adjusted to the lack of light. So I always have to, like, have, like, a hallway light on or something just to kind of – and plus it always helps to know where you're going if you suddenly have to get out of bed. But my – it's just the weirdest feeling in the world to sit to lie there in bed in complete darkness and feel as if the room is spinning kind of when it's not like your eyes are just kind of doing weird things and you don't know how to control it that's called a ghost god (laughs) walton (laughs) i knew it i knew it so yeah I, i spent about two weeks just stumbling everywhere and running into things you spent two weeks in, like, an alternate dimension, it sounds like. Yeah, pretty much. It was – I, I, I there is no good way for me to describe how I saw the world for two weeks. Just nothing was shaped correctly. It, it, like, walking out – walking outside uh, when it was very bright out was the worst. When it, If things were dark, I, I could – it was pretty okay, but it, the brighter things were – uh, the ground was just, just like shooting up at me, and it was fucking weird. Like, I, it, my eyes have actually adjusted back now, so everything's not as magnified as it was. Because it's like, okay, I'm outside. I want to look down at something that's on the ground. Normally, I would have to kneel, but now I can just look down because I have binoculars on my head. So yeah, uh, that could no- just be the microscopic vision. I hope so, but yeah, never, never skip prescriptions. You that. are becoming hot. I'm getting there. This is just like the the first test, the first trials and tribulations of becoming Zod. I'm getting there, man. It's it's gonna happen. I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do afterwards, but I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get that weird shiny outfit that he wore that was all glam and magiciany. You will find him. I will find him. You will find him. Sorry. My soul has what you have taken from me. Ah, oh, we fight. Man of Steel aside. Uh, so yeah, that was what's going on with me. Blindness for a couple weeks. I can see so, now. It's cool. So, in a weird way, we both had weird life-changing experiences. Mine lasted for four months. Yours lasted for two weeks. And we both experienced the ugly side of life. You visually, me emotionally. Yeah. It's like Destiny is trying to tell us something. Kill ourselves? Probably. I got a call. I got an Indiana phone number and call, and I uh, I, th- I thought it might be somebody calling to ask me more about, like, another job ask- asking me about you. And I answered it thinking, like, well, it's either going to be a wrong number or that. And he was, I speak to uh, Mike Napier, please. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it had nothing to do with you. Okay. Sorry. I... I tried to get you that job at Kinkos, but did not pull through. And that was the one I was pulling for the most. Yeah, one day. I will have to tell them about the uh, forklift incident. I, you know what? I embrace my past. I don't run from it. So whatever comes may come, just like I did on that forklift. And speaking of ejaculation, this has been this episode of Pulp Nightmare. I've been Mike. I've been M. Forklift MB. And have pleasant nightmares. Listen next week to another tale of the strange and terrifying. <laughs>